Paul has spent a lot of time talking to various people groups within the church at Corinth, married people, people who are married to unbelievers, people who are going through divorce, people who are single. He talks to a group of people called virgins. And today we're going to see that he also has a word for widows. There were widows in the church, and like the others, widows had questions, and the apostle had some answers for them. So let me pray. Father God, we just want to say thank you that we know who you are because your spirit has borne witness with our spirit that we're sons and daughters of the living God. We're born again. We're new creations. We're new people. We've been regenerated. Thank you. Thank you that you never let us go. Even when we go astray, even when our minds are not stayed on you and our mouths are not filled with blessing, you have a love that continues to pursue us and bring us back. We thank you today for your mercy and for your grace, that you're a good, good father, and your son is a great, great savior, and your spirit is a great, great comforter. Thank you, Lord, that we get to gather on Sundays, the Lord's Day, the day that commemorates the resurrection of your son. And we get to fellowship with you and one another as believers who've been going through in this world. But we get to come in your house and be encouraged, comforted, exhorted, challenged, held accountable. Thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for the local church. And thank you for the word of God. Thank you, Lord, that the Bible has so much to say about widows, so much to say about orphans. Thank you, Lord, that you were intentional to reach out to those who were underserved and those who were outcasts in society, that you included them in the old covenant, you included them in the new covenant, and you even go so far as to challenge us to say what pure religion looks like. It's how we treat widows and orphans. And Lord, I'm speaking to people right now who they either know a widow or one day they're going to become a widow or a widower. So may this word, Lord, resonate with our hearts. Teach us. We give you the glory for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you are currently married, or you plan on getting married. And if Jesus should tarry, that is, we don't know when he's coming, but let's just say he doesn't come for another 100 years. And if you're married or you plan on getting married, one of you will die before the other. That's a reality of life. The Bible calls it going the way of the earth. We're all going to die. And if you're married, one spouse is going to die before the other, making the surviving spouse a widow or a widower. And, with this, and when this happens, your life will be different. Your life may even be 
difficult, but that doesn't mean that your life can't be happy. It doesn't mean that you still can't have life, even though your spouse has tasted death before you. Now, as I speak this message, I'm speaking to one who is in close relationship to a widow. My mother has been a widow for the past 19 years. And she's had her ups, she's had her downs, and all of us as her children, we have served as counselors and encouragers for her during this time. And she would probably testify to say that although the Lord is good, being a widow can sometimes be hard. Because she and my dad loved each other, and they were married for over 40 years. And so she has some days where it's difficult. But we always try to remind her that although your husband, our father, died, you did not. And you are alive for a reason, and God wants you to enjoy him. So God not only expects the Christian widow to live, he expects for her to be happy while she lives. And just because you're a widow, that doesn't mean you can't be happy. You don't have to be marked by carrying ongoing, unending grief. Yes, you grieve, but you can also be known for being happy. Now, we're not going to over-spiritualize this because Jesus was a man of sorrows, the Bible says. And so, when a loved one dies, and if those two become one flesh, husband and wife, when they die, it's real to say a part of you dies. But once again, you are still alive, and if you know Jesus, you are alive in Christ Jesus, and he has left the widow or the widower alive for a reason. Now, beginning in October, we're going to journey into a new series. And that new series is going to be called Get Your House in Order. And we're going to be spending time talking about preparing not so much for you when you depart from this place, which is very important. But we're going to talk about how are you preparing for those of us who are left behind to deal with your estate once you're gone. So getting your house in order not only speaks of your spiritual relationship with God, but also your estate, your affairs. And some would say, Pastor, talking about widows this morning, and I'm not coming to church in October if that's what you're talking about. But the last people on earth who, who should shun death should be Christians. We shouldn't be afraid to address this topic. Why? Because we know the resurrection and the life, and we know that this life is not all that there is. And we have admo admonishments from the Old Testament that a righteous person lays up treasure for his children's children. So your burial insurance, your health insurance, your life insurance, um, how you want the church to handle your homegoing celebration. We're going to ask some questions. We're, do you have your will in place? Do you even know what that is? We're, we're power of attorney. We're going to be dealing with that from the scriptures. Amen. But today, widows and 
I want to read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 39 and 40. Because when I read this, as I was preparing for this series months ago, it shook me. It, it really changed my life. You, the Bible is so alive that there are times you can read it and you don't see what you see now. You, I know I read this before. Why didn't I? Well, God didn't have you to see it then. He's having you to see it now because the book is alive. You can read the same passage over and over again. It's going to speak something new to you because the book is inexhaustible. It's alive and well. It's a two-edged sword. It cuts. It's the word of God. It's the breath of God. And I saw something I've never seen before. And I hope you can see it today too. He says in verse 39 of 1 Corinthians 7, a wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives. But if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. Stop and pause. So he's saying that death is what separates a husband and a wife, which is why we say in vows, it's until death do us part. So that's the ideal. We've talked about that. And then he says, and if she wants to be married again, to someone else, whoever she wishes. But the prerequisite is that the person be in the Lord, only in the Lord, meaning that she can only marry a believer. But even if you dig a little bit into this, she's got to have discernment because if she was left an inheritance from her husband, she needs to make sure that the believer she marries is just not one who is a believer in talk, but a believer in walk, because there would be some people scamming and scheming on widows who just got some money. So only in the Lord just doesn't mean he's Christian and breathing. <laughs> but he's Christian and walking. Because everybody in the Lord ain't for you. <laughs> Bad English but good theology. <laughs> so she must have discernment. But then Paul is going to say in verse 40, here it is, but she is happier if she remains as she is, according to my judgment, and I think I also have the Spirit of God. So Paul said, what I just said, y'all going to think I'm crazy for saying it, but that's why I got to tell y'all, I got the Spirit of God, just like Hosea had it, Nehemiah, all the Old Testament folks. I got the Spirit of God too, because I think sister girl is happier if she stays single, i.e. a widow. I think she's happier, meaning that she can be a widow and be happy, and that she doesn't have to be a widow and be sad and miserable and gloomy and downcast. She can be a widow and be happy. Why? Because her husband may have died, but her husbandman is the Lord. Can somebody give me an amen for that? God is not dead. Your husband died. Your wife died. But God is still very much alive. And, and throughout this whole chapter, he's arguing for Christians to remain in the state in which you're in. Now, he's not saying that you can't get married and leave this state of being single or unmarried or being a widow to being married again. He's not saying that, but what he is saying is don't jump from this state to that state to try to find something in someone that you can only find in God. So it's just don't be trying to jump into stuff. So, honey, stay where you are. I think you're happier because he says earlier in the chapter that being single has its advantages. And so he's pro-single. 
And we ought to be pro-single, even if we're pro-married. And if we're pro-single, pro-married, pro-married, pro-single, stay in the state that God has you to be in, and don't you move until and unless he causes you to move. And so give me a moment today. I want to talk about three qualities of a happy widow. Three qualities of a happy widow. Number one, a widow, a happy widow, stays single. Oh, boy. That's what he says there. He says in verse 40, she is happier if she remains as she is. Stay single. And then in chapter 7, verse 8, Paul says, But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. So he's saying it's a good thing to remain where you are. Because Paul says in verse 28 that marriage brings trouble. So some of you have endured enough trouble being married. Stay single. Then he says when you're married, you're concerned about worldly cares. In verse 33, how to please your husband, how to please your wife. But when you're not married, you don't have that concern. Because if you are married, you need to be concerned about your spouse. That's one's first concern. How do I love and care for my spouse? But when you are single, you have no such concern. So according to Paul, you can be happy staying single because marriage brings trouble, and it also has many cares associated with it. And according to Paul, she's happier if she remains single. So he must know that as good as marriage is, Marriage is not the definition of a happy life. I know, I know. We emphasize purity so much. Wait till you get married, wait till you get married. We think that marriage is the end all. No, Jesus is the end all. This is countercultural within church culture. So he said, You can be happy, sis. Now, to be happy means to be cheerful, jovial. Joyful, smiling, beaming, satisfied, content, in good spirits, in a good mood, radiant, sunny, jubilant, on cloud nine, on top of the world, walking on sunshine, all that stuff. <laughs> when you're happy, and I know we're called to have joy, and joy is not first based on circumstances. Joy is based on God and a focus on him first that leads to good feelings. So we have joy, which is not always first about feelings. It's about a focus. But happiness is about feelings. And it's okay to feel because God created you to feel. He gave you emotion because he is a God of emotion. So God gets happy. God gets angry. We're made in his image. We can experience feelings and emotion. And there's nothing wrong with being happy. Happy, happy, happy. <laughs> Clap along if you. I used to get tired of that song. It just came on all the time. I wasn't happy every time I heard that song. But if I listened long enough, it would work and I would start getting happy. Because happy people <laughs> remain in the state God tells them to stay in. Because it's about obedience. You stay there, especially if you're a widow in the single state. So a happy widow stays single. My mother has said she's not getting married again. 
So that means all the old players at the church don't have a chance with her, you know. And, and I'll say, Ma, you know, that, I think that guy was looking at you. She's like, mm, I ain't worried about him. She still wears her wedding bands and stuff. Like, I mean, she, <laughs> she's focused. And uh, I don't think we would be that family that if she did marry somebody else, we would give that guy a hard time. I, I hope we would accept him and embrace him. But my mama, she, she's focused on this single part. She ain't moving off that. <laughs> Number two, a happy widow serves the Lord. That's why she's happy. She serves the Lord. Look at verse 35. I could read more in the context, but I'll just read verse 35 of 1 Corinthians 7, it says, and this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, which is what happens in marriage, you get a leash, but for what is proper and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. So when you're single, when you're a widow or a widower, you can serve the Lord without distraction. And people who serve the Lord and serve others are happy people. People who don't serve and want people to always serve them are not happy. They're selfish and they're miserable. And if they're Christians, they're out of fellowship because God gave you a gift for the body. And if you aren't using what God gave you to bless other people, you're out of fellowship. Okay, you've been grieving, but it's time to stop grieving and get up and go. Remember when Samuel was mourning uh, the death of, uh, 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 no, that, that God had, re had rejected Saul. And in 1 uh, Samuel 16, God told Samuel, you've grieved long enough. It's time for you to get up and go to Bethlehem and anoint one of Jesse's sons king. Because if you keep grieving, work won't get done. So get up and anoint. You got to go. You got work to do. So after we have grieved, and we all grieve differently, so we want to be patient as people who sit with those who mourn. But at some point, you got to get up and serve. You got to do what God called you to do and what he gifted you to do. Can't keep throwing pity parties for yourself and how bad it is, how sad you are. Work. Go to Luke chapter 2 because as a widow, I got to show you. Her name is Anna, and she was a prophetess. Luke chapter 2, verse 36. Talk about a servant. It says, now there was one. Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age. That's how the Bible says she was old. And had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. So she got married as a virgin and was married for about seven years. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years. So she may have been either 84 years old. Again, it's tough to pick up how the Bible says this in the original. Uh, or she was a widow for 84 years old, which meant she got married real young. Or Anyway, she old. She old. She old. <laughs> and she did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. So she stayed in the house of God. And there was a part that only women could go to, the court of the women. They couldn't go past that into the court of the men. And she didn't even let the segregation in the temple stop her from getting to God. 
because she knew God would meet her in segregated spaces and places called the court of the women. And she was there night and day, and she served God. How? With fastings and prayers night and day. So God put something in her to worship him this way, to honor him this way. With fasting, and that's an S on that, fastings is in plural, and prayers night and day. She's serving God. In verse 38, and coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who look for redemption in Jerusalem. So Joseph and Mary are coming into the temple to dedicate their child Jesus back to the Lord. And while there, they run into uh, Simeon, this old man waiting on the consolation of the Spirit. He prophesies over the couple and over the baby. Then they run into this old sister, Anna, who's been praying and interceding night and day, and she begins to speak of the Lord. Wow. So when you are older, you still have a ministry called intercession. When you are older, you still have a ministry called speaking over people, young people. Wow, you got wisdom. Gray hair speaks of wisdom. You've got experience. Share with young people. So you've got stories upon stories. You've got things you can say. You can teach the younger women how to love their husbands because, wow, you know how to do that thing. So you're a widow, and that means you've got a whole lot to add to the body of Christ. Looking at my girl Anna up in here. But not only that, women serve Jesus by providing substance for him. So in Luke chapter 8, it talks about how these women were with Christ. And we don't know if, well, one of them, it says, was Mary, and the other had demons cast out of her, and we don't know if some of the other women were, were widows. But what's the point? Women were serving, and they served the Lord out of their own substance, which meant that they had money. So Jesus is out there living by faith, but you still need money to eat. And so the women would follow from place to place, and they had money. And they would give their money to help meet the Lord's needs. The men, it didn't say the men did that. The women did that. Why? Because there were some women entrepreneurs or women who had received again an inheritance from being a widow. Whatever the case was, what they had, the Lord had. And they gave, they served him by providing for him. There were women who served Jesus, listen to this, by going out two by two. Now, in Luke's gospel, he first sent the 12 out two by two. And I'm just staying in Luke right here. Luke 2, then we went over to Luke chapter 8. Now we're in Luke 10. So after he sends the apostles out, the Bible says he sends out 70 others also. You mean to tell me that in the midst of that 70 that Jesus sent out, there were no women who were in that group? No, I have to believe that he sent women out after he sent the 12 out, he sent a group of people out that included women to go two by two. So women served him by going out two by two. Pastor, how do you know? Well, if I go a little forward to the book of Acts, which was also written by the same guy named Luke. Luke talks about in the upper room, there were 120 believers. And we know that there were the 11 apostles because Judas had taken his life. But then the Bible starts naming the women who are in the upper room. And then when the Holy Spirit falls on the day of Pentecost and the Spirit comes and they speak new languages and there are cloven tongues of fire over each head, there was no segregation when the Spirit fell. 
he came upon men and women, and they all went out into the streets and began to declare the wonders of God. You're not going to tell me the women stayed inside while the men went out. No, them sisters was fired up too, and they went out. Why? Because they can reach other sisters with the gospel of Jesus. So we've got to grow as believers. I grew up in that kind of setting where women could not do those kinds of things. But thank God for being set free years ago. And man, some of the best preachers I've ever heard are women. Amen lights and walls. and The blessed fest that this church does every year has been led by a woman and a team of women. So, so the, the trailer ministry is led by women in this church. Oh, man, I love God. Sisters went out two by two. And women serve Jesus, but watch this now, by coming to anoint his body. Luke chapter 23. They watch where they put his body because watch this too. When all the men fled when Jesus was arrested, when only John came back to the cross, the women were already there. They didn't run. And the women showed up on Sunday morning to anoint his body and found an empty grave and started speaking to angels. Where were the men? They were hiding inside somewhere. So widows, women can serve the Lord. And those who serve the Lord are the happiest. Those who don't have a job in the church, a role in the church, you're miserable. They're believers right now in Israel. Aaron came up and testified last week. He's going to Israel. And when they were in Israel, he got baptized again in the Jordan River along with uh, Lecrae, the rapper. They, they, they got baptized again in the Jordan River. And, and, and the beautiful thing about that, I forgot what I was trying to say that for. But anyway, I forgot. <laughs> oh, 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 here it is, here it is. They were being set free to serve on a whole nother level because it was like my nephew here. It's a new season. It's a new commitment. And, and, and so they're serving to a new level. Why? Because in Israel, you've got the Jordan River, and there are two bodies of water at both ends of the Jordan River. One is the Sea of Galilee. The other is the Dead Sea. Connecting the Sea of Galilee, here it is, and the Dead Sea is this thing called the Jordan River. The Sea of Galilee is alive because it has outlets. The Dead Sea is dead because it has no outlets. It, can, it only takes in from the Jordan River. It does not give out. So if you are sitting in church, I don't care what age you are, 9 or 90, and all you do is take in and don't give out, you're dead. But God wants you to take in so you can give out. Who are you serving? What people group do you have a burden for? How does your faith produce works, which is action, which shows that it's real? So a happy widow serves the Lord. And finally, a happy widow sets an example. Yes, she does. 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy, she sets an example. 1 Timothy chapter 5. The first example she sets, this widow is a spiritual woman. Yes, she is. Look at verse 5 of 1 Timothy 5. Now, she who is really a widow and left alone 
trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. Sounds like Anna, doesn't it? She got all this good time to pray. Verse 6, but she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. So she's still out here trying to get her freak on. Which is why Paul said, them young widows don't put on a list. Because the church would care for widows in that time. Because not all husbands would leave an inheritance for them. Uh, when the widow of Nain's son died, basically she had nothing. Jesus came and raised him back to life, which meant now she has life again. So many widows didn't have support. And so there would be young widows. Paul would say, don't put them on the list because you're going to say later in here, when that desire starts kicking in, psh, they're going to go out there. He said, but the older widows, put them on the list. They're 60 and over. Yeah, yeah, let the church help take care of them unless they have family members who could take care of them. Don't let the church take care of widows that family members should be taken care of. Because if you don't take care of your family, your mother, you are worse than an unbeliever, he's going to say in verse 8. But I don't know why I wanted to pause on granny trying to still drop it like it's hot. You know, she can't drop it like it's hot. <laughs> this hip bad, arthritis and other, but anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm stupid. And these things command <laughs> that they may be blameless. So these widows are spiritual, man. They're praying. They're widows for real. But not only that, verse 9, she's a faithful woman. It says in verse 9, do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number, and not unless she has been the wife of one man. So he's saying that this woman has been a faithful woman. She was married to one man. Follow her example. She's a hardworking woman. Look at verse 10. This woman, her works are well reported. If she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers. So, so she's a hardworking woman. Why do you say that? Because her, her works are being reported. You can point to stuff that she's done and say, look, look, look at her lifestyle. Like in the book of Acts when uh, I believe it was Dorcas who died. And as she's dead, they're holding all the scarves and things that she made. They're saying, this woman contributed. She's blessed all of us through her sewing ministry. And so there are going to be works with this kind of widow that can be reported. And then the greatest work of all, she's brought up children. That's work to bring them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. She's working. So she's a hardworking woman. Another thing is she's a hospitable woman. Why? Because she has lodged strangers and washed the saints' feet. Lodged strangers. So she's opening up her home for people to come into her home. Hospitality. And then this kind of widow, when she lodges you, when she brings you in, she's going to cook for you. She's she going to put some roast out there for you. She's she going to bless you. She wants to encourage you. She wants to give you a drink of water in the name of the Lord. She wants to just encourage you with some food. And that's why you want to uh, hang out with some sisters like this. That, you know, after church on Sunday, where are we going? We're going over to Sister So-and-So house. You know she's cooking today. <laughs> but not only that, she would wash the saints' feet. So back in that day, when you would come into someone's home, before you came in, you would have to have your feet washed because you walked everywhere with open-toed shoes. So the host would wash your feet before you came in. And that's a humbling thing to wash people's feet. So this is speaking of what kind of gracious host this woman 
was and is. But not only that, y'all, not only is she spiritual, faithful, hardworking, and hospitable, this woman is merciful because it says in the, the latter part of verse 10, if she has, excuse me, uh, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work, merciful, she's relieved or helped people who are afflicted. So she's ministering to people. She's showing mercy to hurting people. And once again, she's working very hard. So just because her husband dies, her life has not died. Life has just begun on a whole nother level, a new season she's in. And so rather than licking her wounds, and, because in that culture, one way that you mourned as a widow to show people that you love your husband was that you never got over your husband dying. So you would mourn perpetually as signs that you loved your husband. But I'm so glad that the word of God comes in because everything in culture is not correct. Yeah, you mourn him, he died, you loved him, but there's still so much more to live for. There's still so much more that you can do and you can set an example with your lifestyle because happy people, they live lives worth following and imitating because they're great examples. So a happy widow stays single. A happy widow serves the Lord. And a happy widow sets an example. And I've said it over and over again. I'm going to keep saying it. Just because you are a widow, that doesn't mean you can't live a happy life. The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes that with the living, there is hope. Because a living dog is better than a dead lion. So if you are alive, there's hope for you. If you are alive, you're better than any of the great people who've died, the lions of the past. Why? Because you're alive. And with the living, there's hope and there's also endless possibilities of great things. Satisfaction of a life well lived for the Lord. Now, I mentioned I'm a little, I'm a little off. I'm a little off. The Greek word for happy is makarios, makarios. That don't mean nothing to us, right? Makarios, what's that? But as I was looking at that, I was like, man, that word makarios sounds a whole lot like macarena. <laughs> Again, this ain't got nothing to do with nothing. This is just me looking at it like it sounds like macarena. And I started thinking, I've never known anybody to do the Macarena and not be happy. <laughs> hey, you, you ever seen anybody do the Macarena and not be happy? <laughs> so I said, man, should I do the Macarena for the church today? <laughs> no, I'm not a dancer. <laughs> But I know, I know there's some steps involved, right? You, you got you to do like this, right? You got to start like that, right? And then you put your hand out, right? Something like that. Is it like this? Okay, then you go, bum, bum. And then you bring it right here, right? Oh, no, 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 no. You go here. And then where, where you go after that? Tempest, where you go? You go here. Then you go there. Then you go to the hips. I can't reach that hip. And then you come back here. And you're doing this the whole time, right? If you do that dance, you got to be happy. Oh, but if you dance in Jesus, you got to be happy in the Lord too, man. Come on. Can he make you happy? Oh, boy. 
Everybody stand up on your feet. Yeah. I was going to ask my sound man to play the Macarena today, but he just had a baby. His wife just had a baby, and so I'm surprised you're here, man. Brother Tanner Lennox. Amen. Well, speaking of being able to dance, he's got a bionic hip now, and he can do all of the latest dance steps and moves. <laughs> Just like his oldest daughter. Every time I see your oldest daughter, she's leaping and spinning. The girl loved to dance. Pastor Jerry, would you close us out in prayer this morning, brother? Would you dance to the stage? And, uh... <laughs> Amen, brother, man. Amen. Don't forget the green cards are here. They're waiting on you. What number is it? There we go. Great word this morning. I'm going to take you to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 that says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Verse 17 says, That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. As we close in prayer, I urge you, when you walk out this door today, please take something with you. A lot of you aren't married. Most of you are not widows or widowers. But there is something in this word that is for you. Do not walk out and go home and say, man, I didn't get anything out of that today. There's something in there for you. So your charge today is as you're walking out, going to your car, in your car, talking with whoever drive with you, what is it that God wants you to do based upon what you heard today. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we are so thankful, Lord, that you are gracious and you are merciful to all of us. You've given us your word, Lord, and we have, each one of us has a Bible. And through history, Father, that is also a miracle, that we have one that we can reach out and read for ourselves. And you've asked us, Lord, to study your word. Listen to the inspiration you've given us. Observe what it's trying to tell us. Understand the context that it's in but also, Lord, to apply what we've heard. So, Lord, would you remove the obstacles that keep us from hearing what you have to say to us and hearing what you have to do? Lord, may we be ambassadors for you, just like the disciples that were sent out two by two. May we be ambassadors for you that people will see our good works and glorify you because of what they see through us. Lord, we thank you. Thank you so much for blessing us and protecting us and for healing us. This we pray, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>